feel a lump in my throat as I insert the key into the lock. My legs are suddenly weak, and as soon as I open the door, I fall to my knees, bury my head in my hands, and weep. Three weeks earlier. It's nine in the morning, and the New York sun streams through the eighth-floor windows of Dr. Evanson's office with such intensity I drape my hand over my eyes. Sorry he says, gesturing toward the blinds. Is the light bothering you? Yes, I say. Well, no, it's... The truth is, it isn't the light that's burning, but my news. I sigh and sit up straighter in the overstuffed chair with its brash white and green stripes. A signed, framed photo of Mick Jagger hangs on the wall. I smile inwardly, recalling how I walked into Dr. Evanson's office a year ago expecting a black leather couch and a clean-shaven man in a suit holding a notebook and nodding reassuringly as I dabbed a tissue to my eyes. According to my sister-in-law, Joni, he was Manhattan's most sought-after grief therapist. Past patients included Mick Jagger, hence the wall art, and other big names. After Heath Ledger's death, his ex, Michelle Williams, came to see Dr. Evanson on a weekly basis— I know, because I saw her in the lobby once, flipping through an issue of Us Weekly. But his celebrity client list didn't impress me. Frankly, I'd always been scared of therapists, scared of what they might cause me to say, cause me to feel. But Joan encouraged me to go. Actually, encourage is the wrong word. One morning, she met me for breakfast in the restaurant on the ground floor of Dr. Evanson's office building then put me on an elevator destined for the ninth floor. When I reached his foyer, I thought about turning around, but the receptionist said, You must be Dr. Evanson's nine o'clock. I walked into the room reluctantly, noticing the green and white striped chair, the one I'd sit in every Friday at nine for a year. You expected a couch, didn't you? Dr. Evanson asked with a disarming smile. I nodded. He swiveled around in his desk chair and patted his gray beard. Never trust a therapist who makes his patients lie on a couch. Oh, I said, taking a seat. I recall reading an article about the great debate over the couch as a therapeutic mechanism. Freud had subscribed to the method of sitting behind his patients while they reclined on a couch in front of him. Evidently, he despised eye contact. Still, others, including Dr. Evanson, found the whole couch scenario to be unproductive, even stifling. Others agreed, saying it put the therapist in a place of dominance over the patient, squashing any chance for real dialogue and meaningful feedback. I wasn't sure which side I was on, just that I felt awkward in his office. But I sat in that overstuffed chair anyway, sinking down into its deep cushions. The soft fabric felt like a great big hug, and I proceeded to tell him everything. I leaned my head back into the thick cushion. You're still not sleeping well, are you? He asks. I shrug. He prescribed sleeping pills, which help. A little. But I still wake up at four each morning, eyes wide open, heart hurting no less than it did when I closed my eyes the night before. Nothing has helped. Antidepressants, sedatives, the Valium they gave me in the hospital the day my world changed forever. 
None of it takes the pain away, the loneliness, the sense of being forever lost in my own life. You're keeping something from me, he says. I look away. Ada, what is it? I nod. You're not going to like it. His silence, I've learned, is my cue to continue. I take a deep breath. I'm thinking about leaving New York. He raises his eyebrows. And why is that? I rub my forehead. It's the memories of them, I say. I can't bear it anymore. I can't. Tears well up in my eyes, though I haven't cried here in months. I'd reached a level of healing, a plateau, as Dr. Evanson called it, and had felt a little stronger. Until now...